Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, April the 14th, 2023, and it's that time again. That was the week with my old friend Keith Tier reviewing the week in technology, the week in Silicon Valley. And we have some major news to break, Keith. We're not leading today with AI, unlike every other podcast in the world. So is there a bigger story than AI this week? Well, I chose one. It was Substack launching notes and Twitter's response, which I, I think is um, it's like a David and Goliath battle, isn't it? Um, like that, between Man United and Seville? Ooh, well, that was a tie, 2-2. Two, two. So you, you say, so you, so you led with Substack and Twitter, Substack being the David, Twitter the Goliath. What's going on? And, of course, it's all around the launch of notes. I like everybody else, launched on Notes this week. What's the big deal? So the big, the big deal really is that uh, Substack is trying to take on the internet business model, which, of course, is advertising mainly, um, especially consumer internet. And it's starting with the proposition that uh, advertising is bad for all of us. And in order to pursue that, of course, it has to build a subscription base. They call it the subscription network. And a network needs um, a network effect. If a network doesn't have a network effect, then you stay very lonely. So they want to build a Twitter-like stream or feed of everybody's thoughts, short form mainly, to allow everyone to find each other like or dislike, uh, engage and grow audience without advertising. That's basically what the, they launched this week. The product's called Substack Notes. Um, you don't retweet, you restack. Um, Which I thought was pretty cool. But, yeah. but they're certainly not the first, uh, Substack's not the first company platform to come along with a Twitter wannabe. What's, what, why are we leading with this and not Megadon and all these other ones? Megadon. Oh, I know what you mean. What's it called? Magadon or Megadon? Ma Am I confusing my Trump with it's my worst. Twitter? It's worst. You've got it's Mastodon. Ah, I didn't want to make any vulgar jokes. Exactly. Anyway, um, the reason it's interesting, I think, is because of Substack's core user base is uh, is thoughtful, creative publishers like and, you and I, Keith, and, or at like, least like you. Exactly like you and I, and the people who read them. So the core, the core user base is kind of highly desirable, I would say. Um, and so it's it's got a pretty decent um, starting point. The second is there's already money flowing on the Substack ecosystem without ads, and I think that that uh, this will compound that. I, for example, I've had about you know, a bunch of new subscribers over the last 24 hours because I published stuff on notes. So so there's an internal, if you look, marketplace, I think it would be a good way. So to the network that. effect is kicking in. Yeah. So I think, I, I don't think it threatens Twitter, by the way. And I said that in my editorial. I think Twitter's in a different league doing a completely different set of things. The only thing in common is the user interface. And we... 
discussed earlier before actually we went live Twitter's announcements this week. It sounded, I said to you this off camera, that Twitter and Substack are both uh, shooting for the same space, somewhere between them. They're both moderating themselves. Yeah, Twitter announced, I think it just was announced today, so it's probably news to many people. Uh, if you have the blue check mark, you can now post tweets up to 10,000. I think it's 10,000 words, but it might be 10,000 characters. But anyway, very lengthy. You can also sign up to, um, to uh, subscription tweets. That means uh, people will uh, pay to see your tweets uh, optionally. Uh, and you'll start publishing things. But who's going to pay to? It depends what the content is. I mean, I can imagine using Twitter for Signal Rank, for example. We 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 predict companies that that are going to do well every week. Um, if we were to publish those lists privately to people who are paying, that would be a decent use of. of but what's to stop people cutting and pasting those listing and putting them up on their own free Twitter pages? Uh, probably nothing at the end of the day. Good point. So we won't do that. <laughs> so is Substack, you suggested that they're, they're not going to become Twitter. What is Substack going to become? In the best case scenario, when Hamish and the others sit down and think, what, what do we want to be when we grow up in three or five years? What, 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 where can they go, which is credible and serious? Yeah. Yeah, good question. I mean, I discussed this with Steve Gilmore a lot uh, privately as well. Uh, he, he's Gilmore Gang is a big user of Substack. I, I think that, it, uh, you know, the, the real answer depends on the Substack leadership team. But I'll tell you what I think they well, should. What would you do if you were running? Uh, what, what I would do is I would recognize that Substack is redefining the relationship between people who produce stuff the audience and uh, and the payment mechanisms for the content. And so I would encourage them firstly to increase the different types of content that they support. I think live video and live audio are obvious uh, content types for Substack. Um, I would encourage... So in other words, they should just buy Restream. <laughs> they should certainly replicate Restream's functionality, I think, I think the second is they've got to recognize that Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn are their friend. They, uh, I, I actually made a mistake in my editorial. I said they should allow you notes. You never make mistakes, Keith. Well, I actually did this week. I, I said they should allow notes to be forwarded to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, in the case of Twitter and Facebook, they actually do. It was buried un underneath the menu, and I found it. So they already do that. But being aware that when you're in the content business, distribution is very important and not wanting to lock yourself in to a closed environment, but using your closed environment as a launch point to distribute into all the other environments, I think super important. So more, more different types of publishing, more distribution, and then more ability to refer to each other, to embed yeah. and comment on uh, content. My, my biggest problem with Substack in the way it's evolving, if it wants to become like Twitter, is that I'm not going to pay for other people's subscriptions. But I'm interested in what all these people are saying. Yeah. And my sense is they got to make their bets one way or the other. Either they 
yeah. stick to their original idea of a subscription platform and just focus on that or go go for the big play, go for the home run and try to replace Twitter or at least get ahead of Twitter. But they can't do yeah. both. I think they're going to do the first. I don't think they really want to replace Twitter. And I, um, you know, what, what they really are closest to, uh, and I've learned this again from dis discussions with Steve, is because um, he's coming from a trade press, uh, trade press background, they're closest to the trade press where there's lots of very specialist publications. In that world, sponsorship is a large revenue stream, which is not the same as advertising. Closer to the way podcasts work, there are, the podcasts often have a single sponsor. So I think there is more money that can come into the Substack ecosystem as, as long as they're not yeah. automatic. And, and I do think the three to five-year game is people like you and me probably can make a living by doing what we love to do anyway, which is publishing stuff um, that is of interest to an audience. Uh, well, it's interesting that I'm working now with Zencaster. Maybe we should do a show because you tend to, for one, I don't quite know why, but you you have a very soft spot for Substack or maybe a very hard spot for Substack. There are other interesting players out there, Zencaster, for example, who are trying to, in their language, democratize podcasting and enable podcasters to earn a decent living without being superstars. So both Zencaster and Substack are in the business of empowering a new creative middle class rather than just superstars. Yeah. But the problem with Substack is the real winners are the, the uh, Andrew Sullivan's and the handful of other people. They've paid large amounts of money to be on their platform. So in a way, Substack is actually compounding the crisis of the creative middle class. Well, I, th I think if you look at their most recent um, numbers, which they had to publish last week because of raising money on a crowdsourcing platform, they've weaned themselves off those payments. They're, those payments were time limited to 12 months. And they're now self-sustaining, I believe, or very close to it. But by the way, I, 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 I don't think podcasts, I think if you look in the rearview mirror, Podcasts are going to end up being a stepping stone to what we're doing here and what. Well, we're uh, always ahead, Keith. We are. There's no rearview mirror for you and I. We're always the future. What about Musk and Twitter? I, you don't put many links, but he gave an interview to the BBC in which even he acknowledged he'd shot himself in the foot multiple times this week. How is he enabling companies like Substack and maybe Zencaster and lots of other? startup platforms to eat into the Twitter business? I, I Well, I'll answer the direct question, but I'll caveat by saying I, I don't think anything he's doing is damaging Twitter. I, I disagree with the commentators who say so. I do, I do think it's probably doing the opposite, which is making Twitter more visible. But what he did this week is he put uh, labels on the NPR and PBS yeah. <laughs> and BBC sites claiming that they were state media, which obviously is just a teenage prank, uh, which is what Musk really is. Well, you you say obviously to you you you're part of that world, but for most people it isn't. It sounds as it's the sort of thing that Trump would do. It's very political. It could it could be perceived as political. What do you mean it could be? It is political. 
I don't think Musk has got a political bone in his body. I think he's more like private eye for those British people who understand private eye. It's making fun in a political context. But I don't right, think- but, he, but he has, you know, he makes fun always of the NPRs and the BBCs of the world. He makes fun of progressive. He never goes after the the the, the Trumpists. So I, I don't agree anyway, but... Uh, he he it can't be good for twitter to well, be essentially alienating major news companies like the bbc and npr you know i think it is because i don't think he respects them and i think well no we get that he doesn't respect them it might be he might enjoy it but it doesn't actually benefit the business of twitter I, if I, it I wants to be a platform I, I, for information and news I'll bet you that Twitter's usage numbers went up after this not down. Uh, you know, I, 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 think he, I think he does these public pranks to get attention, which then convert into attention. I wonder if, ironically enough, the platforms most under threat from this rightward shift in Twitter are platforms like Parler, which were created in response to the NPR-style control of Twitter has now been replaced by Musk and his dog. Yeah, that, why, do you, why do you need those? You don't uh, need Parler anymore. You've got Twitter. Anyway, enough Twitter, enough Substack, Keith, for now. Let's talk about the real news of the week. You may not acknowledge it, but AI is still around. And in fact, um, you even have a whole section. You have video of the week about AI, Stephen Wolfram, and then you still have a new section in the uh, newsletter, AI of the week. So Stephen Wolfram is one of the smartest guys around. What what was his video? Uh, it was a very long video. It's over an hour long and it ra- it's wide ranging, but it's, it's the discussion of both the technical basis of AI uh, and uh, stepping over into some of the policy issues that uh, AI gives rise to. So it'd be pretty hard to summarize it here. I think it's it's definitely a Sunday afternoon, you know, uh, if you've Is got... It state-funded, state-funded video? Not a state-funded video. <laughs> well, if you've got an hour on Sunday afternoon, everyone, go and watch Stephen Wolfram. I, I've always liked him. I'm always a very, very smart man. I thought his, his written piece on how uh, GPT works is very good. And then what's the AI news of the week? Is it mostly about... Um, regulation, debates on regulating it? Very few debates on regulating it, although, although there was some um, government... You're a big... Regu- you're, a, you're a big... Uh, you're in favour of regulation. You like a strong state with tech, don't you, Keith? You know uh, exactly the opposite, <laughs> as you know, Andrew. But uh, funnily enough, we'll talk about it next week, but Tim Riley's... O'Reilly Re- uh, Riley. They published a piece this morning saying you can't regulate what you don't understand. And I think O'Reilly generally... Did Tim do that or or his company? You know, I can't remember who wrote it, but Tim commented on it. So he's definitely involved in it. If He he probably wrote it as well. I can't remember. Um, He's a very wise man. One of the few really genuinely wise men who you're not quite sure what they're going to say. So what does it mean you can't regulate what you don't understand? It it means be, be super careful not to allow pure fear to drive innovation, you know, being slowed down. The Chinese government this week did try to regulate AI by 
saying that AI needs to be biased in favor of the state. And it said that no AI will be allowed to be critical of the state. Um, and Sounds like the BBC or NPR. Right. So the minute what do you mean, Brian? That was a joke. Yeah, but uh, no, well, it, it, what's clearly obvious is that um, authorities all over the world will will seek to, at some point, regulate AI. China's leading the way this week. And, you know, it's going to be interesting how people calling for regulation respond to the Chinese actions, because they should... But not all regulation is... Chinese. I mean, it's you're like it's like arguing when you invented invented the motor car. Well, we have no idea where it's going, so we're not going to regulate it. There was always a need for regulation, and you regulation is an evolutionary process. It's not a revolutionary one. It, it. I think it's all about whether it's driven by intelligence or fear. I don't think you can have fear. Right now, we have fear driven. I mean, if you read some of the stuff that is claimed can happen. Yeah, I sent you the FT essay, which I thought was, it was long. Again, another Sunday afternoon read. Yeah, very long and, and very well written. One of the better arguments in favor of regulation. Written by a British entrepreneur. Now, that said, I don't think anyone could reasonably argue that there doesn't need to be rules. So the well, only real question is where do the rules come from? Yeah, I, I as you know, I'm, don't usually agree on the regulation side with you, but I, I do get the sense that there is sort of this simultaneous his, hysterical reaction, both in terms of investment and a reaction against and fear. And I'm not entirely sure whether either are justified, since no one exactly can tell me why this is such a big deal. Yeah. Did you have you noticed this thing this week called Auto GPT? No. So AutoGPT is a piece of software um, that solves the problem that right now you have to write prompts to GPT for it to give you answers. And what AutoGPT is, is a prompt writer. So you, you say to AutoGPT, um, I want to go to South Africa at Christmas with my family in, to Cape Town. Can you please organize a two-week itinerary? Tell me where to stay. Uh, do, do a budget, and um, uh, if I if I then approve it, go and book the flights and the hotels. Auto GPT does all of that. It it speaks to Chat GPT, uh, uh, giving it prompts through a process that it figures out, and so you only have to kickstart it, and then it does everything for you. Um, a, good, a good example would be this week I wrote, I, I asked uh, ChatGPT to write a Python program to query the signal rank database, uh, which I don't have the skills to do, by the way. I, I can code, but not in Python. You have, I, I thought you were one of the great coders in the world, Keith. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Just like I'm the best lover in the world. You are the Sir Alex Ferguson of coding. Yeah. So um, anyway, it gave me a, a Python program. It didn't quite work. So I said, can you fix this? It didn't work. It said, oh, yes, yeah, sorry, that was a mistake. Here's a fix. And it, it probably took me, I don't know, 30 minutes and a few prompts. And by the end, I could run this program, and it gave me back uh, an Excel file with the results in. 
Well, this exactly is something I... that should worry us or not. You've just warned us against regulation and not getting scared. You're going to make all the programmers in the world unemployed. Well, it, well, it, at least for, in my way of thinking, unemployment is a good thing. Um, well, that's a subject we're not going to, I mean, you're not going to drag me down that rabbit hole. Let's talk about some other essays of the week. Um, you've talked about the prohibition of AI and subvert state power in China. A couple of other interesting pieces of news. Um, the end of HBO Max and the rise of Max. Is that, um, is that something that might challenge Netflix's dominance? Can we take this HBO Max thing seriously? It's interesting that the, 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 the conversation around HBO Max is really a conversation about the new CEO of uh, Discovery uh, and HBO and all of the assets that sit underneath uh, that franchise, including uh, Cinemax and others. And they, they're rebranding and dropping the HBO brand. And most of the discussion is about how stupid that is, that the HBO brand is considered to be one of the better brands, um, and they're going to replace it with Max. I actually disagree with the critics. I, I, I think HBO, only Americans think of that brand the way that we think of it here in America. Globally, it's, it's a weird name. So I think to drop it and to rebrand around you know, a word everybody can relate to and then to drive content... Probably five years from now, it looked like an okay decision. I thought HBO was state-funded, but that's another issue. Anything else? We got Gary Tan. Yeah, very. Move. He pissed people off. What's Gary Tan, who's running now? Y Combinator. How's he managed to upset people this week? Well, I think Gary Tan took a very good decision that's been badly received. The, the decision he took was to close down Y Combinator's fund called the Continuity Fund. This is a fund that did late-stage investments, um, uh, the opposite of what Y Combinator does. And reading between the lines, the fund didn't make money, so he's closed it down. Um, it, it, this is close to my heart because I believe that there's a phenomenon called opportunity funds. Most venture capitalists have, uh, not most, but many have an opportunity fund, which is extra money to invest in their best companies. And almost none of those opportunity funds do well because it's kind of obvious that you're going to invest in your bad companies that are kind of okay, as well as your best ones, and you're going to make bad decisions. So they tend to lose money. I, I, I think money for the next stage shouldn't uh, be sitting in the pockets of the people who did the early stages. It doesn't work well. well. You raise money this week, Keith, but nobody else seems to be doing well. You... Got a couple. One of the essays of the week's crypto VC fund slows to a crawl. I'm amazed that it's even a crawl. And then another piece in news of the week um, about you, a European VC funding dropping 66% as seeds take a hit. Things are pretty bleak on the investment front, with the exception of Signal Rank. Well, Signal Rank's a modest early stage company, so you, we we're not really a weather vane yet. But I, I think aren't you the HBO of Silicon Valley? I hope not, because it's HBO's going away. <laughs> Maybe with the Max. You're the Max. You're yeah. the Max of Silicon you're Valley. You're the Max. Yeah. No. Look, all of the statistics about VC funding point in the in, in the direction of it shrinking, which isn't always a bad thing, by the way. That can be a sign of quality as well, which I do believe is happening. 
Um, we're probably at the end of that. We talked last week about hitting the bottom. I think we probably have. I can't. You, you, and I'm not going to make any more jokes about hitting the bottom. <laughs> Even on a Friday afternoon. Did you show Janae, your wife, that? I did. She thought she's it was still very, talking to me. She is. She thought it was very funny. But she's, of course, um, you know, a certain generation that finds that kind of humor still funny. Well, Benny Hill is alive. But the but the, Euro, the European thing, uh, the, the 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 decline in funding, all of that is true. Um, uh, you know, the, I I published a newsletter yesterday about Series B rounds, and in the first part of this year, there's been 399 Series B rounds compared to 768 in the same time last year. That's about a 50 percent drop here in Silicon Valley as well. So it's global and it's real. How much of this is just the cull? There was so much dumb money. There's always dumb money in the good times. All it is is just getting rid of the dumb money and the smart guys continue to make money. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. And the really quality investors are, are, are you know, they're not fully in a wait and see mode. Uh, for example, Level 1, which is a crypto play, raised a lot of money in the last couple of weeks uh, and, and, uh, and is a promising company. So, uh, but I, you know, when I look at the number of companies our AI predicts will have good outcomes, out of those 399, it was 19. So that is a sense of the quality within the quantity. 19 out of 399 is under 5%. So a lot of money is on the sidelines. Uh, it will get deployed, but it will get deployed into good companies. And that probably means this is the best time ever to be investing in venture, M way better than the craziness of the last two years when prices were high and everything got funded. And one of the smarter guys, uh, who, friends, who, who is friends with both of us, is John Borthwick, who runs Betaworks. They are your startup of the week, Keith. What's Borthwick up to? Last time I heard from him a couple of weeks ago, he was in Japan. Well, John, John is um, a serial entrepreneur over many years. I first met him in my startup Siberia Cafe in 1994. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's kind of an Anglo, uh, uh, East Coast Anglo kind of a guy. And he's got some French in him too. And some French. And he's uh, had a great career. He always focuses in on what's interesting in the moment. And uh, Betaworks has a kind of a large building in New York, which is a startup club, if you will, that also... Yeah, I think he shut that down, but he's still got the building. Right. So what they're doing is um, an AI startup camp. Basically, they're going to put half a million dollars with some partners into 10 companies. They'll each get half a million, but the companies will be chosen through a kind of a ongoing camp where they talk about application of AI and development of AI. Uh, and I, I think it's, uh, it is a true startup. We're... A few weeks from now, there will be 10 companies with half a million each that come out of that. I'm going to guess, knowing John, that they'll all be doing interesting things. But how's that different from the, the startup competitions that companies like TechCrunch run? Well, this is more hands-on mentoring than judging. Uh, there is obviously some judgment in, a, in, in putting money to work. But this is, I think this is more building rather than judging. Um, you know, there'd be some crossover between the two. 
but John's a builder, not he's not a yeah. And even the, the term building is something he's used. Um, is everyone now jumping into this AI space, Keith, when it comes to early stage stuff? I mean, they're gonna have to because. I don't know if you can imagine anything. There's a letter from Samil Shah in this week's newsletter where he tells his portfolio companies that um, they're going to be irrelevant unless they embrace AI, no matter what they do, no matter what. Do we need to embrace AI on that was the week? Well, I think we, uh, we, do, we do not because uh, we're not building a product or an application. But if we were, we would. I think we could put some AI on top of the newsletter and uh, uh, you know, basically allow it to be searchable on topics and such. That I'd would... rather put it on the bottom, Keith. <laughs> um, in, in all seriousness, uh, John, in his announcement, suggested that this was the biggest development in his lifetime when it comes to tech. When John and John is not the kind of person just to say stuff, so he must believe it. Do you think he's right? I mean, you went through, you know, you've known John since Siberia Cafe. We were all around in the 90s when the internet became big. Is this bigger than the internet itself? That that's a hard call. It, it's certainly huge. The internet was also huge. I, I even think before that, the PC was huge. And the you know the mobile well, phone. That goes without saying. And the mobile phone era was huge. So and the that, car. But but this what about the wheel. I, this and is electricity. Next, yeah, this is the next level. I mean, uh, I just watched um, the All In podcast, which uh, I think is actually very good. And uh, on that day, uh, Chamath uh, Padahipitaya said, um, "Change is now measured in days." So if you look at the other huge things that have happened, change was sometimes measured in years, then in months. Uh, uh, for really cutting-edge things like Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp, sometimes in weeks. But with AI, we're already measuring things in, in days. This auto-GPT that I mentioned earlier, uh, it, it can do amazing things that couldn't be done last week. So the rate of change that the, that AI is going to lead to is is way faster than anything we've seen. And the number of people engaged with it is way bigger, faster than we've ever seen. So it's definitely fundamental and, 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 and huge. And it makes Web3 look like, you know, a tortoise. Well, if you knew what a tortoise... I mean, web, the problem with the Web3 is we don't know what it looks like. If it was a tortoise, it would be more interesting. It looks like a squash tortoise. Finally, Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the week, Apple is about to launch a savings account with a high rate of interest on your iPhone. Uh, so Apple is, is once again, uh, with, with its partnership with Goldman Sachs, um, moving into our lives and becoming a more fundamental part of our lives. In this, this time, it's managing our money. Um, but when you say uh, an interest rate, it's not one of those crypto scams which it promises you 25%. What is a good interest rate? They haven't announced it yet, but I bet you it's above 3%. So where they're going after the retail banks? They, they're going after replacing banks because they're, they're not going to become a bank. Goldman Sachs are a bank. They're going to become the front end of a bank, you know, the interface 
to money. Uh, and, and, and I, you know, that means they're going to have a lot of the value of money flowing through them without actually becoming a bank. So who's going to be nervous about this? Bank of America or, or, the, or the credit card companies? Anybody that holds deposits because... Like Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, you're going to have to compete with that them. That was before. a joke. I thought they went bust. <laughs> They're actually now back alive again, actually. So everyone else is obsessed with AI, and the smart guys at Apple are focused on something else. They're cleaning up. Everyone's got their back turned to the real action. Exactly. Well, there's real action all over the place. Imagine the AI that will move your money to the most in interest-bearing place in real time. Which Imagine the person who trusts their AI to do that. There will be many. And there will be many <laughs> lawsuits when that money is lost or <laughs> stolen. Think... Are you willing, Keith, finally to uh, to trust your... I mean, you've got... You're, you're worth billions of dollars. Uh, are you going to trust your billions of dollars to AI? I think I, think, uh, I have yet to see the applications that will even... Allow me to do I guarantee that. you one thing. If you do that, you will get a good spanking on your bottom from your wife, Jeanne. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs>